This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to AHP. Thank you for joining me. It's great to have you back with us for another episode. And if you want to join us on Patreon, you can do a patreon.com forward slash AHP if you'd like to get podcasts in advance of other listeners. But today I'm in Queensland. As most people know, I've got family up here. So I got an invite again from Aaron from Shooting Stuff Australia to come up and partake in some reviews and basically go out and do a bit of shooting, which is fantastic. So mate, thanks for having me in your home. I really appreciate it. And uh, I guess we're going to have some exciting fun shooting tomorrow. Oh, we definitely are. It's always a lot of fun when you're up here, and we're uh, just hanging out, and especially in the evening, just talking shit about, about whatever, and getting out there and shooting some guns, and as you've already seen, the guns that you can't have in New South Wales. It's interesting. Uh, we filmed a bit about what was it, the monthly wrap-up, and um, we've, I, I didn't see some of the guns first, but literally Aaron pulls out all the guns that are pretty much banned in New South Wales, so... Uh, I think it was the Rossi Circuit Judge. There was a, a 22. Um, we had the S. No, the SHS. We can have the SHS uh, straight full shotgun in you, New South Wales. You can, but not the one that we got, which is the tactical adjustable stock. You can't yes. have that one down there. But I think the red, they, the red Devil. But I think I did when I was at the Shot Expo this year. I did see the Red Devil. I think, but I don't think it had a different stock at the rear wasn't the adjustable stock yeah they do come out with the standard butt stock the solid one also we've got a couple of precision rifles coming as well and hopefully a couple of desert techs yeah right and you might be winning a gun room guys Uh, aaron's got a brilliant gun room here it's absolutely fantastic excellently set up for reloading he's got his safe he's got a tv he's got all his reloading equipment looks absolutely fantastic so you might hear just a little bit of echo there's not much we can do about that but mate what are we going to do what's been happening just in general give us a uh a wrap-up as well, what's been happening? Oh, pretty much uh, just filming the last of the reviews with Marty because uh, he's left the show now. So it's just me flying solo and um, just yeah, getting all those out and editing those. And they're all out now. Well, no, they're all out. They should be out by the time you hear this. And uh, he left because he's got an awesome job and they just don't have the – they don't have a policy on no social networking pretty much, and so he can't be on the face of a social networking uh, profile or whatever they call it, uh, and presence. So he just had to give it away, which I, I don't feel bad about because he's moving up in life and he's done really well for himself. So it's um, yeah, it's really good for him and it'll be good for his career and, um, and he'll get ahead in life really well out of what he's done. I mean, you started with him. Is it sad to sort of, you know, see someone go that you've been, you know... Doing yeah. lots of re- reviews with for the last, uh, I guess, what, three or four years now? Yeah, three and a half years. Yeah, it is a little bit. It feels a bit funny, but um, I guess that's just life. You, you take different paths sometimes and you never know what's coming up and what's around the corner, what could happen to you. Or It's just a part of life, really. Uh, I think we always knew we always knew this would never last for any, forever. You know, I'm 50 in a couple of years' time, even though I look this good. But uh, it doesn't look that good, folks. Trust me, it doesn't look that good. <laughs> you never know how long you're going to do this for, and um, yeah, we it's just one of those things, really. You, you know, you just can't, you just never know what's going to happen. But he's it's going to be really good for him, and he's done really well to get where he is. Yeah, so is what are you going to do from here? What happens from here in regards to 
you know, getting going to continue? What's going to happen? Oh, we'll be continuing all right. We'll be, I'll just be making the videos myself and, and might have the odd person on sometimes that I know. Uh, I've got a f- couple of people lined up just for, uh, that I know that are into long-range shooting. They're going to come along. Or you're coming along doing about five or six reviews with me that will spread out over a few months. Sometimes I'm asking, why, guys, why he wants me on the show to do some reviews. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be that good, but I guess we'll find out. Take takes the focus off me, off, on me uh, from stuffing up. I mean, that's all right. I mean, that's a, probably a good idea anyway, I think. At least it gives you, I guess, the power to... You know, go out whenever you want to go shooting. You, know, you don't have to wait for anyone. I guess that's, you know, there are some, I mean, obviously some bad things about it, but there's also some good things about it too. Yeah, it is. Um, it'll be a lot easier as in just, I can just head out and do what I want because being a business owner, I just take time off work whenever I want. So if I want to go film or shooting for a day, I just don't go to work and I just go out to the farm and just shoot for the day and enjoy myself. So it'll be a lot easier like that. Um, yeah, and, uh, it could pretty much is less stressful in total because you're always thinking, you know, does does the other guy want to do this? Or the other guy want to do that? And sometimes we have a few little uh, disagreements out about how we're going to film things, what we're going to say. But we've never had a major fight or a major issue. We've always got on, gotten on so well when we're filming together. Like it's just like going out with your best mate and shooting for the day, but there's a camera on you. And that's how it's always been. It's been an absolute blast. And I've enjoyed every second of out shooting with Marty. It's just been, it's just like going out with your mate, but you're filming it. It's just been great. It hasn't been a chore. hasn't been any real you know, burden at all. It's just been fun. So Marty's still going to be shooting with you though, isn't he? Obviously just off camera based on, I guess, company social media policy. He's still going to be coming out shooting. So I guess that's not going to change. No, he's still good friends. Uh, I've talked to him every day since he's left and just been talking about his new job and what he's doing and uh, just talking and shooting the breeze really but we do did that anyway there's nothing nothing in our friendship will ever change it's just that he just can't be on camera and we're still going to go hunting and have a bit of fun and he's going to come out for a shoot with me but it just won't be on camera or anything to do with the show he's got absolutely nothing to do with the show now none of the, the accounts are in his name or anything everything's been signed over to me we got We've done all the form work, uh, paperwork for all that. and But apart from the show, it's just going to carry on normal. Like He's, he's one of my best mates, and we're going to be out shooting and having a lot of fun still. And, yeah, going out for drinks and yeah, just just normal and talking on the phone. And, yeah, it's going to be – it'll just be like like before, but there's no, nothing with the camera. What about um, you had eye surgery? Yeah, and your eyes went all kooky. I've always said, you know, you see double vision through the scope. So, very <laughs> vision. Um, yeah, that was. What's a, happening with that? How's that been going? Uh, yeah, I'm still pretty much uh, legally blind in my right eye. Uh, I can see shapes and colours. Um, a little bit light sensitive in the right eye, which is my shooting eye. I had um, my retina just decided to attach by itself one day, out of the blue. Everything was going good. Life was going fantastic. Work was good. And I just started seeing um, a bit of a darkness slowly come down over a day in my right eye. And I had no idea what was happening. Next morning, that night I saw a couple of huge flashes in the eye, like someone just setting off a searchlight off and on in the corner of my eye. And next morning I went to optometrist and she just said, you've got to go to hospital immediately and have emergency eye surgery. You're about to go blind and we won't, you won't be able to recover your sight uh, within the next uh, 12 to 24 hours. So get in there immediately. So I went in there and they 
said, yep, that's not good. Your eyes um, ripped in three paces, and they couldn't give me an answer why. Actually, the day before, I was shooting a Lithgow 243. So it was a Lithgow, and it was a 243, which is a round I don't like. No, so nothing I, wrong with 243, so folks. I, I solely <laughs> blame the 243 round. But, uh, Jeez, it must be a powerful round then to uh, detach your retina. <laughs> exactly. Probably just pushed it over the edge. But the doctors did say they would be surprised if shooting had anything to do with it. Apparently this can just happen to people. It can just happen out of the blue. Because my other eye is perfectly healthy, and I've got healthy eyes apart from that, so they're, they're a bit stumped. So they don't know why. They still can't give me an answer. So the first round of surgery is done, and it's worked, and... They said it's all held together, and it's over the next surgery is to get rid of the cataracts. It's covered the entire eye now. That's why I can't see out of it. It's so bad now. Uh, everything is, is just that blocked. Your next surgery? That's a day surgery, yep. And then it's two weeks off work, and then cause I can't be in my dusty environment at all. And then it's um, four weeks. Uh, four weeks, um, really, they want me to not do any heavy lifting or knocking the head around after the cataracts because I you know, do a lot of um, physical work. And then they said it could be three months before I can shoot anything big because you don't want to jolt the lens, the false lens they put in. So it might be three months, but we're going to have all these reviews to come out anyway, so the show won't miss a beat. So that means we're going to have to do some videos over this Christmas period and uh, get some done, and so you've got something to put out, obviously. Yeah, well, I'll be going out most days for the next three weeks, so, and I've got a ton of guns. I've just got endless guns to review. It's just gone to the stage now. I've got to, I just don't know which ones to take out with me. What do you think? This is a good question. I don't think I wrote this one down, but what do you think the evolution's been from the show when you first started to now? Obviously, we, you know, we can talk about it here because we're both adults. You know, it started off pretty gung ho, pretty, which it still is to, to a certain degree. You had a lot of issues with what was his name again? Was it Paul Farrell? From, Paul Farrell from the Guardian. From the yeah. Guardian, and then yeah, the whole Tally Bears incident thing where he was contacting you and yeah, things and, like and that. The David Shoebridge incident, and basically the entire Greens Party incident. <laughs> and the Sydney Morning Herald incident. So for people that don't know, he was contacted by this guy from The Guardian, and then I think I think it was Marty at the time did most of the talking to him. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't allowed PC. to, because um, yeah, I wasn't allowed to talk to um, the media because I don't mix my words, and I probably would have uh, been very offensive. And you know what these city people are like, like their, their feelings get hurt pretty easily, and I think I would have absolutely destroyed them. Do you think it's changed over four years, or three, four years? The show sort of has. We started out, didn't really take it seriously. Uh, it was more just mucking around and that. We didn't take it as seriously. But then after a year, we did. The whole media thing, we uh, didn't really bother us. You know, we got our ratings started, our subscribers that just started really going up from there. So it was, did more sort of uh, good for our um subscribers and our, and our um, fan base, really. What about the people that were going, oh, you know, take their guns off them. They're bad people. You know, oh, how dare yeah. they do this? They're creating a bad persona for the shooting industry. Marty's the same as me. He just didn't give a shit. He doesn't, we don't care what people think. If you don't like it, don't watch the show. We, we couldn't really care less. We've got more people who like it and then don't like it. And I really think you're always going to get people, no matter what you do, you could save a kitten out of a burning tree. And there'll be people complaining that you did it wrong. Talking about, I mean, some of the guns over the... You've done geez, a lot of guns, obviously. Um, yeah, we've got um, about 171 videos out right now. What's the number one gun you've shot? Now, now you're probably going to be biased, no doubt, because we're all biased in a certain way, I would say. So what's your number one gun you've shot over that period? 
Uh, the number one gun would be the $22,000 rugby. That was truly amazing. That was a, a yeah, chance, once in a chance, once in a lifetime chance to ever shoot something like that. It was awesome. I think there's a perfect example where you can't please everyone. I think I saw a couple of comments on, I think, that particular video that was saying, well, you know, who can afford these guns? Ridiculous. Why would you review these guns? But I don't think it's about that. It's showing, I guess, what you can get and showing different ends of the spectrum, the cheaper stuff versus the mid-range stuff versus the really expensive stuff. Like, I couldn't afford a Rigby and, you know, probably don't really like that much the look of them to just want to spend that sort of money on. It's just not my thing. But, hey, all the power to the people that, you know, have those firearms and like to shoot them and can afford them yeah exactly uh well when someone hands you like a golden egg you're not going to say no are you uh, they supplied the ammunition which was 13 dollars a shot and supplied these beautiful guns for us to try so why wouldn't we try it's like people who go over to the u.s and shoot uh barrett 50 cows they're like 40 grand to buy um over here if you can ever get them so are you just going to say no because you can't afford to buy it no, exactly. I think so. And you've been getting also too dealing with it. I know normally don't, you know, trying to talk about different companies, you know, for certain reasons. But I mean, Brown Plains, Brown's Plains Firearms up here in Queensland have been really good supporters and, you know, providing your guns, letting, you know, you film in their shop, which is absolutely fantastic. So I'm, you know, from obviously, you know, Brown's Plains Firearms is not paying me, but they're big supporters of you guys. So that's fantastic. And, you know, it's always good, you know, that people support other people in the industry, I think. And, um, you know, it's hard to get in with gun shops and, you know, and you get, I mean, you guys go down there, film. He's happy to stay there after hours. I mean, fantastic. Yeah, Brown's Plains is one of the best shops. And I've, I'd known Gary for a while before we even did the show. And it was about two years into the show before we actually did anything with him, uh, before we were ready to do anything like that. And he's always liked our videos and... It just went from there. He he just surprised us with uh, some of the. We only shoot these secondhand guns that he has there, so we get them put into our license and we borrow them and shoot them. And he helps us out with a little bit of ammo and a lot of information, which is absolutely valuable. And some of and some of his workers, like Brad, there, he's a fantastic guy and he's a world of knowledge on old World War Two guns. So he restores them as well, and he helped me with information when I came and restored my uh, World War II Lithgow. It's interesting when you do reviews, I get this, and we were speaking about this today on the monthly review, you know, you get people out there that, you know, because people help you, they say, well, you're biased towards one brand, for an example. As we spoke today, you know what happened to me. I've seen this on Facebook from people that don't like me. One, you know, last year I was in bed with the LDP getting, you know, $10,000 a month or whatever it was. And I'm thinking, wow, $10,000 a month. That would be awesome if that was actually true. Oh, hell yeah. Then I was in, I interviewed Mark Latham. So I was in bed apparently with Mark Latham when he was with the LDP. Then he went to One Nation and someone was saying three days ago, now I'm in bed. How's my mate Mark Latham going? And I thought to myself, then they said, I'm in bed with the double SAA as well. And I thought, shit, man, what's going to be next? Am I going to be in bed with the, the Christian Democrats next, the Greens? <laughs> you just can't keep up with these people. So my question, I guess, is how do you remain you know, independent? But, I mean, the facts of the matter are people that listen to this show, that watch videos on YouTube, they don't realize, they don't think what goes into this sort of stuff. And people think, you know, I just record this sort of stuff, go home, 
and just put it out. I mean, I've got, honestly, there is about four to five hours, at least I would say work minimum per show. And I used to think just the recording part was the hardest part. But when I got to do the artwork, put it on the website, upload it, send out all the emails via MailChimp, upload it to YouTube. Uh, I mean, it is crazy, man. So how can we say to people like Brown's Plains or other people that want to help us out like no we're not going to be able to work with you because of what someone's going to say about us i mean you know it, it, i've said this before on the show if ldp wanted off me ten thousand, i'd take it if one nation wanted off me ten thousand dollars a month i would take it as long as they were pro gun and they thought my show was worth it well why not why wouldn't i do that doesn't mean i'm not going to say anything bad about him if they don't do the good thing i'll say that oh exactly you got to get ahead in life i just we don't we we literally we get to, oh, you must get paid so much money and free guns and all that which we don't we get $100 off Patreon a month, and that $100 is gone within the first couple of weeks, all on targets for the show. Everything else comes out. We still buy all this ammo. We still buy it all, but we may get a small discount, but we've got to pay it out of our own pocket to do these reviews for free entertainment for people. We've got another really fantastic sponsor, Second Chance Building Supplies. Uh, Steve's a, a mate of mine, and he owns a building supply material company not far from where I live and he's a mad keen shooter and a top bloke and he loves our show and he came on board to say well we will help you out and we'll uh, you you advertise our show and we'll um, help you out with things that you need and um, and we'll lend you some my guns and and give you a bit of support which has been absolutely fantastic he's um see both Browns planes and second chance don't care about uh, um, way we conduct ourselves. We don't act like complete idiots and and that like uh, how the media like to portray. But we they don't care if we say something controversial or bad. They don't believe in censoring people. They both just think just keep both of them are told us to keep doing exactly what you're doing. Don't change the way you are. We'll always support you. Gary doesn't give a shit what people think uh, from Browns Plains. Neither do I. I don't care what people think. If if they're going to get offended by something I say, well, <laughs> too bad for being a weak prick, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, a lot of people have you know, opinions, think you're getting paid for this sort of stuff. And, you know, whilst that helps, and while I do run advertisements on the show, on the show I don't make any, you know, um, apologies for saying people pay for advertising. The only time I wouldn't accept advertising if it sort of went against my beliefs, as in... You know, I'm not going to obviously run ads for the Greens or something that's anti-shooting. You know, when I interviewed Mark Latham, for an example, at least I had Mark Latham on the air for an hour to find out exactly what he thinks about firearms and where he actually stands. Um, But, you know, if you interview someone, why are you interviewing that guy? Uh, Because that's what good hosts do, interview people from both sides so people can actually make a decision where the guy, if the guy is an asshole or or he's actually worth voting for. You heard the podcast. If you haven't heard it, you can go back and listen to the Mark Latham interview. And I think when he was with the LDP. Now, this is obviously pure speculation. I don't know. I think he wanted to run the party in New South Wales. I think um, uh, probably that wasn't accepted by the LDP. And One Nation gave him the opportunity. And, you know, it's it's going to be a highly contested election uh, in New South Wales come March of 2019. I mean, this is the first time in history Probably, I mean, you guys have got Catter here in Queensland. You've only got a lower house, so it is very difficult for pro-gunners to be elected. But this is the first time in history, I think, that One Nation, the Liberal Democrats, and the Shooters and Fishers Party are going to be running uh, in the one election. So there is going to be a lot of buying for votes for that pro-gun vote. Uh, And, you know, as you know, some shooters obviously still vote for the major parties. God knows why, but they do. 
so it's going to be very interesting. And um, I did say on my recent one of my recent posts on Facebook, guys, when this show comes out, that uh, probably I'm going to be interviewing someone in January, about the fifteenth of January, and I've got some very good news about the. March New South Wales election. I think you'll be very, very excited as to what's happening, especially in New South Wales and your pro gun. We could have a balance of power. Uh, time will tell. So yeah, uh, I try to. St- I don't really care about politics much anymore. I'm just over all their garbage and their lip service. All you get from these so-called pro gun parties uh, just lip service. We'll promise this. We'll promise that. Um, and they get in and they don't do anything. I, I am pretty much just over the whole political thing. I just want to shoot guns and be left alone. It's that's, it, that's it. It's interesting because I have a lot of people message me, and I'm probably going to read them out some on the next show. People from Queensland, actually, and I know we've spoken about this too, and a lot of people are pretty pretty unhappy with Bob Catter at the moment, especially in regards to shooting. They say, obviously, he's pro-shooting, but in regards to results, they say little, very little and very far in between actual results achieved. And... Now, it's very interesting that, of course, these people are pro-gun, but and it's difficult to get results, but, yeah, they're, they're, these are the emails that I'm receiving off people saying, well, you know, we're getting a lot of lip service, but we're not getting much in the way of, in, of results. Yeah, that, from what my understanding, he's always been like that. He's, he, he knows how to manipulate the speech sort of stuff, and that's about it. Then uh, hope, and I think he just hopes that everyone forgets about what he said when he's in. Uh, um, that's the way I can see it. But, yeah, we've heard a few things about it about him and that and people we get a lot of messages about the political side of things who we vote for who should we vote for have you heard this what this one's done and what that one's done uh and i'm at the point now where i just truly just don't care i just i just over it i you know i'm as i said i'm going to be 50 in four years time or three and a half years time and I just don't want to think about politics. I just want to shoot my guns, live my life. I'm a good person. And I just want to be left alone to do what I like in life. And you know, I've got one shot at life. I'm not interested in politics and, and all that. I know a lot of people in the shooting community think you should be. But Shooting South Australia wasn't started to be a political um, mouthpiece. We, we didn't start to do all that. We're not interested in it. And you did get contacted by quite a few, um, obviously I won't mention names or anything, but political parties and even uh, organisations sort of wanting to get behind it. But you were like, you know, no, it's just not worth it. We're not going to be aligned with any sort of one party or one organisation. doesn't matter how much sort of money's being thrown at you. Yeah, they did. Um, quite a few of them have approached us and said, oh, can you push this message? Can you push that message? Can you, uh, would you like to, um, you know, sort of like advertise our political party and stuff like that, even if you don't believe in what we everything we say and just said, nah, no, no not not remotely interested. Um we don't care about about it for no, even if you're gonna pay us, we don't not interested. We're here to shoot guns, have fun and uh and that's about it. That's why we started the show. We're not here we're not interested in talking politics and uh and uh, to go down that route at all. It just causes too much trouble, I think. Yeah, let's talk about, this is a good one, uh, we were talking about before we came up, about long-range scopes, man, this is a very interesting one, because you guys have done a few builds on the show as well, you think you had, Marty was doing the, was it the Howard, the, yeah, the Howard, 300 Wind Mag? Um, 300 Wind Mag, yes, and the final episode of that should be out very soon, that's in the list of things to come out, and uh, yeah, he put on a Vortex Viper, like one I had on the... Uh, was it Ruger RPR three three oh eight of mine? Well, people call me a scope snob. The only vortex I really think is worth getting is the razors. 
and they start about 2,800. Uh, I hunt with um, a loophole Mark 5 HD or HD5. V- VH5 HD, isn't it? Yep. I saw it yeah, that's yeah. the one, yeah, yep. with the Winplex. And I think that's one of the best hunting scopes, but that's $1,500. People go, what do you spend that much? That's the same price as your hunting rig, with the brown, which is the Browning, which is to me is one of the best hunting rifles you never get is the Browning House Canyon in 3.06. I said, well, for simple, simple fact is you can't hit what you can't see, especially in the twilight hours, especially when you're hunting. And just so clear and so easy, and the field of view is absolutely amazing for a hunting scope. And I won't hunt with anything else anymore. How did the build come up? Because I know you guys did a video the other day, and just to make sure people are clear, you did a video saying Marty was obviously moving on. He got a job. He's not going to be on the show anymore. Then more videos came out with Marty, but obviously you know, there is a backlog of you know videos to go before he actually leaves the show, obviously. Yeah, before he was offered the job, we had an entire season of Off the Shelf. So it was about 25 videos there that will come out. We try and put two of those out a, a week. And we had a few, I think we've got a, Cerakote video in the in the queue and there's final one we did a while ago on the 300 uh, win mag but I won't go too much into it because I don't want to spoil the final video and how it is and um, yeah and today we released the 20 uh, Ruger uh, M77 22 which is the new gold standard of 22s we reckon. I wonder how that would go up against Anschutz or something like that. It'd be interesting, but we're very well. It's a third of the price, uh, but I think I think it could um, keep up with it. I know a lot of purists won't believe that, but uh, I'm not. I'm no great shooter because I'm now have to shoot left handed. I've never shot left handed in thirty years, and I was and even I was getting good groups. Would you like to advertise on one of the most tech-savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Renowned for their strength, reliability and attention to detail, Moroku shotguns are the perfect example of what a sporting shotgun should be. Moroku have been producing quality products for over a century and sold in Australia since 1963. Each Moroku shotgun is crafted with precision, from the MK Trap and sporting models to the all-round best-selling field shotgun, the MK70. Visit morokushotguns.com.au for more details and stockists. Yeah, I'd like the people to write into the show and find out what your favourite scopes are because we've had this conversation, haven't we, quite a fair bit actually and um, obviously there's a lot of different scopes at a lot of different price points and um, I guess the biggest thing, I know you like, I reckon you like overscoping a fair bit according to what I'm seeing (laughs) on your rifles and I think that's, I remember I said this story a lot when I had my seven mil, I went out hunting and I, I put a Bushnell what was it? Six and a half to 24 by 40, I think. It was like a telescope. and I'm trying to go hunting with a telescope on the end of my rifle. And I'm thinking three to nine by 40 is perfect. I mean, if I had my way again, I'd probably even drop that down to maybe a two to seven even. Depends, again, it all depends on what type of terrain you're hunting. If you're hunting where you can see up to a kilometre, different story about where I'm hunting compared to you know, where some people hunt. Either get closer... But then again, are people even proficient at being able to hunt at those long distances? Are they able to use their equipment, you know, their dials on their scopes? Are they able to use their range finders? Are they able to use a ballistics calculator to work these things out without guessing from those long-range distances? 
with enough practice, yes, you can get there, and you do have to have the right gear. You, like uh, when we go up to our, we've got a thousand meter range now, and we can go out to about thirteen hundred meters. But you'll know when I'll put on a, a real cheap scope compared to a three thousand dollar scope. Even seeing the meter by meter gong at a thousand meters with a good scope, it's crystal clear. With a cheap scope, it's just blurred into the uh, grass. So that's the sort of difference you get. You get what you pay for, especially in scopes. People go, all I've got to see is the crosshairs at uh, 200 metres. Yeah, that's probably good just for hunting, but a with a bit like the loopholes and the vortexes, they do have very good lifetime warranties. And the glass is just a lot clearer and it lets in a lot more light, especially with the loopholes, and that's a big bonus. Now, vor- vortex are good, I think, too, but I'm watching a lot of videos saying they are a bit priced on the higher end of that spectrum. Only for the fact that, you know, because the light's like lifetime warranty, you know, lifetime well, warranty, you are going to pay because that's, you know, unlimited, um, what is it, no questions asked, lifetime warranty. So Yeah, the warranty is a big seller. They're, in my opinion... But you are paying for that warranty. Uh, yeah, they're a mid-range scope. They're like, um, the the equivalents in um, loophole um, are just slightly dearer, but the quality what I've heard, and I've heard from other people from Vortex, is their mid-range stuff and their lower range, their quality is going down. And I've read on a lot of posts that there are a lot of problems with their new scopes. Look at Marty with that Howard build, brand new Vortex Viper. I watched him take it out of the box, put it on his scope at my house. We went up to the farm, put it on, and it had a, a huge lump of dirt fell out of it inside the uh, scope and was stuck on the inside of the lens. And when we looked it up, we were in the field, we looked it up and the amount of people that had the same problem online was unbelievable. I couldn't believe that's a one half thousand dollar scope. And it had that to me that's just it's but not I mean good I enough. guess where that that's where that good lifetime warranty, you know, anything that happens, they'll replace it. Yep, and it was replaced right on the spot. That was really good, but my view is that that shouldn't really have to happen when you're spending one half thousand dollars. Yeah, true. I guess you're going to get different. There's different scopes out there. You know, you're a big fan. I don't really have. Do you obviously like specific kind of scopes? I don't really have, you know, per se, a scope that I absolutely love. You know, I mean, I'm happy to buy. I mean, I've got, I think all my scopes are different. I think I've got a Zeiss Conquest, which was the old Zeiss Conquest, and I bought that for an absolute steal for the 308. I think I've got a Nikon Monarch 3 on the 243, which I'm probably thinking about changing uh, to something else. I've also got, I think, an Optisan, a German brand, just for my 22. I've got the uh, Bushnell DMR2, which is probably one of the most expensive scopes that I got there, just over two thousand dollars now, on my two four three, my sort of vomiting rig. You know, it's just crazy the different prices. But are you getting that much better quality? I mean, you can even go a lot higher than that too. You got the Meopters, you got Schmidt and Bender, Swarovski. What is it, Kales or Carlos or Kales? However you Ka- say it. Ka- uh, yeah, Kales, and you've got the um, yeah, the Swarovskis are very nice. I've used those. I've used a Tangent Thea now. I use the budget one, and that starts at $7,500. <laughs> I don't think most of us and, can afford, uh, it, afford a tangent. That was it? nice. And I've used Schmidt and Bender, which is very nice. Uh, I've used real high-end, the Loopholds, the Mark Fives, and they're, they're gorgeous. They're awesome scopes. Uh, I've tried a few different ones. I've had a look at the March, which was very nice. It's interesting about Swarovski. A lot of people still rate Swarovski, which is obviously within reason. I remember years ago, my mum used to collect, when I was young, Swarovski Crystal. You know, oh, German yes, company, yeah. they used to carve crystals into different things like, you know, deer or elk or, you know, they really did, they did millions of pieces of Swarovski crystal. But, I remember um, those, yeah. And it's interesting because she, she had hundreds of these things, like a crazy, crazy 
um, hobby she had of collecting these things. But I'm still surprised they get such great clarity over out of a one-inch scope. They do. They're more hunt on the hunting side of scopes of Swarovski, not the target. And this is one of the biggest things we get. Uh, uh, probably one of the biggest emails and messages we get is, I want a scope or and a rifle, but we'll just talk about the scopes. Want a scope that I can take hunting and also shoot long distance? Well, personally, out of my experience, that doesn't really exist. It's either one or the other. See, with hunting and hunt your hunting rig, you need everything light. So you need a rifle that's light to lug around. You don't want to lug around uh, something that weighs nine kg all day. Like you want to go as light as you can, so you don't need a big long range scope on something you're carrying around. Yes, you can. Then you can use a and rig up another rifle that you can use for a long range shooting rifle that you get out of the car, you set up, and you sit there and wait for something to walk in front of it at a longer distance. So you don't need um but i guess those leopold is it mark the mark 5 hd is it yeah they're, they're about four thousand two hundred. No, what's the one you've got we oh just those ones oh uh, yes vx5 uh, hd isn't it yes no? yes yeah, yeah. vx5 hd that sort of covers and i had a look at yours today which is i think is really really clear they've got that cds dial with the zero stop and yes. really what is good about that i think if you get the winplex what you can do is you can dial for elevation if you've got your rangefinder and your ballistics application you can do your elevation and then use your winplex for obviously windage which yes, is which is exactly. a good idea and it still keeps that somewhat low profile scope style you know if you know what i mean well i've got that on my browning house canyon in 3006 and uh I've shot with that whole rig. Okay, I was uh, leaning over a bench, five hundred meters, and I was getting. I got out of four rounds. I got three of them pretty much touching. How far was that? Did you say how far? Five hundred meters. Five hundred. Wow. Yeah, so, they're they're a good scope. They're a good scope. Definitely. Yep. Um, I find having, it's that that is the most perfect pair for my uh, Browning and the and which would be still together. good for you know varmint shooting up to say five hundred meters with a smaller caliber. You know, two hundred four, two two three, two fifty, two four three example. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about the two four three though. I don't oh, know if reach. Aaron's uh, got such a disdain for the two four three. You know, you know what? I did too. But once I shot one, I thought this is absolutely fantastic. But speaking about that too, one of my mates I went hunting with in the middle of last year is from Melbourne. He brings up his three hundred Win Mag, and he's got it's like a you know five to twenty five by fifty mil objective. Uh, it's got these dials. I don't even know what half the stuff is on this actual. Uh, rifle scope. Anyway, he goes, I'll come with Mel and show you something. So when you zoom right out, eh, it's it, it's a shit $300 scope, right? So I, I don't even think, think it's a reputable brand. I didn't even know what brand it was. Anyway, so we zoom in at like 25 power, 20 power. <laughs> we couldn't even make out the grass in front of us because it was so terrible. Well, that's and what it, I was just saying about the long, the expensive long range compared to the cheaper ones, especially at the 1,000 metres. Yeah, yeah. And he... It's interesting because I said, well, what does it need? I said, mate, just pick up a normal scrape. Zeiss, uh, Meopta, Leopold, something in that range of a decent price. You've only got to put a 3 to 9 on it. And then he was desperate to get a 3 to 9 by 50, but they didn't have it. So he ended up settling. I think it was a 3 to 9 by 42 or 44, which is still not bad. And when he brought it up to the other hunt, the hunting trip after that, it was actually quite nice. It was as clear as day, man, as clear as done. I said... What brand did it get? Meopta. I think it was a Meopta Meo Pro, I think. Yeah, they're, yeah, about, they're, they're nice scopes. About they're, 700, they're nice I think. Scope. And you can step up again then into the Meopta Meo Star, which goes to the next level, which I think anywhere from, you know, 1,000 to sort of 1,500 mark. But, I mean, even the Meo Pro for a good hunting scope, clear as day, fantastic. No, 
Exposed turrets, just a pure hunting scope, ready to go and ready to take game with. Yeah, the, the Myopter are very nice scopes as well. See, they're all in that price range. They're all in the, the Vortex, the uh, mid-range loopholes and uh, Myopter. They're all they're, they're just like grouped together as this of that sort of quality for that sort of price. Then they all have their, then the next tier level of like the Razors and the Mark 5s and the, the better Myopter ones. It's interesting in the in the Bushnell one I've got too the DMR two. It's actually a thirty four mil tube, which is interesting too. But that's quite quite a big scope, and it's quite heavy as well. It's something you're probably not going to carry around. And I think if I do that again, what I might do is move over that to if I do another build in the future, a bit of a higher caliber, so to speak. I might move the Bushnell over to that one, and then maybe use and maybe try something else on the on the two four three. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, there's so much, and it's coming up with so many more advances in scope especially the the glass now and, and i hate to say it like you get the athlon scopes and some people are starting to rave about those the chinese scopes but they reckon they are where the american and the european glass was 10 years ago out of a cheap chinese scope so a lot of people are actually go into those i personally wouldn't uh, i think I you get heard, what you pay for athlon ares or ares or whatever Something it is like that, yeah and they've got them in the tactical man i've been hearing people raving about those scopes the last probably three two to three months everything on facebook oh putting the athlon ares on athlon athlon but they are a cheap scope they do have nice clicks and it does feel nice but i don't know for me if i'm spending money some on of them the rifle cheap, i'm telling you they're in that you know 1200 to 1500 range some of them Gee, the ones i saw over in the states are just dirt cheap like giving them away yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. I haven't looked a lot, obviously, at Athlon for my personal needs, but some people are saying good things about it. But I mean, there's so many scope brands now that are coming out and you know bringing out good quality too at a, at a great price point. But I think where some of them let them down, they spend their time on all the bells and whistles that I think you don't need. I think you'd be better served with a decent reticle, obviously great dial that's accurate, so that tracks properly. And getting rid of the bells and whistles and maybe having a zero stop, all the rest of it is just extra, in my opinion, that takes away from the quality of glass that you could get. Exactly why Swarovski has got a great name, because they don't muck around with that sort of stuff. It's purely glass quality. Yeah, that's that's totally true. And uh, what I look for is good, solid, audible clicks, solid, crisp and clean, not all mushy. That's that's one thing you really got to look for. And I look at how clear the glasses is in dawn and twilight sort of time so if you're at a gun shop and the sun's going down just put it outside a bit and have a quick look see how clear you can still see stuff um, in the twilight hours because uh, that's where good glass really comes into its own and at longer distance how clear can you see stuff past 300 meters 500 meters can you still see the trees clear can you still see the leaves clear on the trees uh, and that's what you really want to look for. Well, that's what I look for. People may disagree, but that's what I look for. I also look for, and this may be all brands as well, depending on how much you're going to spend, but when you do zoom into those higher magnification ranges, you generally don't have a great field of view. You've got to be you know, on the stock at a specific part of you having your face in a direct position to make sure you can see through the scope obviously cheaper brands are worse than others depending on where you mount your scope and you know obviously it's best if you have the lowest power to be in the most position best position to see through the scope when you're looking through at the lowest power but when you put up like say 15 you've got to place your head in a completely different position because the field of view or the eye relief is not great at all. So I guess that goes away somewhat when you get into the higher brands, the more expensive brands, but not always either, because I've looked at a lot and sometimes it's actually worse. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, everything's everyone's eyes are different as well. Yeah, and everyone holds guns differently, and their eyes work differently. So it's really tailored down to every person, I reckon, when it comes to scopes. But I see it a lot, especially in this country. Is uh, people buy a thousand dollar rifle or two thousand dollar? No problem buying two three thousand dollars a rifle, but want to put a five hundred dollar scope on it because they think, oh, as long as I can see the crosshairs. So, but you go over to Europe and um, a few other countries, they'll buy a thousand dollar rifle and put a three thousand dollar scope on because they know you can't hit what you can't see and things have to be crisp and clear, especially when you're out hunting and things are in trees and bushes. You can identify targets a lot easier. That's why it comes down to brands. Is that, like I said, guys, before, there's a lot of brands out there and I'm not you know, beholden to one specific brand. And If someone's raving about it, I'll go and have a look at it and have a look through it and see what it does. And this is why some of the brands like the Swarovskis and Leopold and some of these good brands have good reputations. You know, it's good, it's good to see. And hopefully, you know, I don't know whether there's enough space for more scope manufacturers out there. Yeah, sort of getting to that point now where we're sort of inundated with Bit scopes. of a saturated market. Yes, definitely. But uh, my belief is just spend the money on good glass, a good scope, not real cheap stuff. Like I got, well, up on the table here, we got half a dozen scopes up there from Zeiss to ATN Night Vision to Loophole to another Vortex Razor sitting up there, a Vortex Viper. So I got a whole range right down to a two hundred dollar. Steal that one on the way out, that Vortex Razor. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and down to a. Um, Bushnell Rimfire, which is a $200 scope. So I've got a whole range here that I try and test out and stick on different guns. But I always, lately, I always come back to the razors and the better loophole scopes. I just seem to always come back to that. It seems to always just work better for me. Are you looking to buy a new or used firearm? Do you want to sell that safe queen to fund your next purchase? Then go to OzGunSales.com. We have over 200 registered firearms dealers Australia-wide and thousands of shooters using the site daily. There are over 2,500 firearms listed, so you're certain to find exactly what you're looking for. We have over 50 years of firearms industry experience, including 8 years online. So why wouldn't you advertise with us? The one and only genuine original OzGuns. I was going to get, and most people talk about the show with the ticker T1Xs just came out pretty much in Australia. Obviously, the 17 HMR came out, the 22 just came out, and Aaron was literally having a go at me the other day because he did ask me if I did get the 16-inch 22 Tika 1X before I came to make sure I drove up here and bought it up so we can do a review. You know, she was asking me about it. I said, yeah, fair call. Literally, the day before I was coming or I was going to book a flight or drive, uh, my dealer calls me and says, listen, does somebody, he texted me actually, and he goes, does somebody want a 16-inch 22 uh, T1X? I said, well, yes, please. And he goes, this is probably coming this Friday or Monday. And literally, I was leaving to come up here on Thursday. And I thought, I honestly thought this was not going to happen, but our worst nightmares are true. Literally, the gun, my dealer picked up the gun Friday. I left to come up here on Thursday night. I think it was around the 20th of uh, December at the time we are recording this podcast. But, um, you know, it's interesting because I bought a Hawk. I think it was a Hawk Vantage. Now, I don't even know if I'm even going to use it now, right? But it's got some hash marks on there. Some, uh, Aren't they uh, like mi- a $70 scope? Yeah, it's, it's, a, hang on, it's, it's a mil dot scope. Uh, I'm tell- Listen, I'm telling you what, Hawk. I know a lot of people don't rate the Hawk. Some people really like the Hawk, the Sidewinders and that sort of thing. That was $180, 
and I've used it at twilight out the front of my garage looking across the road and I'm honestly shocked at the quality they could put out for $180. Okay, define quality long term. It's going to be on a rim fire, so hopefully I don't see any issues with you know, reticles coming apart or dislodging or glass coming out or the scope needing to go back for warranty because I did buy it from overseas. Or is it going to let moisture and condensation in is a big one as well and the cheaper ones. Yeah, exactly. But at the even, I'm even shocked. It's a 50 mil. I think it's a 3 to 9 by 50. No parallax, no nothing. Just change your eye relief, obviously, to make sure it's cleared or to you know, focus it. Mate, done. I zoom out to nine power at you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. I'm actually kind of shocked at the quality in that specific scope for $180. Will I end up using it? Well, I don't know yet. I don't just, know. Just put it on that uh, ticket T1X. I've seen the quality of that, so probably it'll... it'll um It'll go well with that. It's interesting because we were talking about that. And that's a listen, I'll, I'll reserve my judgment until it comes. A lot of people know that I've loved my tickers throughout pretty much doing this show. I've always spoke highly. They, honestly, I think they should be paying, or Beretta should be pay, paying me for the amount of good uh, press I've given ticker. I do like them. I think they're great value for money. A lot of people buy them. Um, and, you know, the T1X, I mean, just a few of the things you did, and you saw it the other day at Brown's Plains Firearms, they did come with a plastic end cap over the threaded barrel, which I thought was is going to be a major disappointment for me. It's probably not going to be was, too it much. It was for me. It does, okay, this is my first impression of it. I didn't shoot it. I don't want to bag it or anything, but it uh, just felt very flimsy to me, and, yeah, the plastic end cap, yeah, yeah just like it's... Just didn't do it. Just did not do it for me. And then there seems to be a bit of, just up before the barrel goes into the receiver, like there seems to be a wedged in piece of plastic there. So it's Yeah, there not, is. I could clearly see yeah, that on it. It's and not free floating. And I did see on a couple of the Facebook pages, the Ticker T1X uh, MTR Facebook page, uh, saying about that. And some people have taken the stock out and putting into, say, a Bell & Carlson or an MDT or whatever chassis they like. I would be getting rid of the stock. The stock was, um, I compare it to a Tupperware container. Don't be speaking about the, one of the best quality brands out there, sir. It should, okay. be, it should be called the Tika <laughs> Tupperware range. But then, again, but then again, you know what? That's what I like about when I go hunting for that, for that particular rifle. I've got a 308 in the Superlight stainless steel. I've got two of them, 308, 243. Um, take them out light, put a you know, 3 to 9 by 50 on them, 3 to 9 by 40, whatever it may be. Perfect hunting rifle, and I've geez, I've slayed some deer with my three oh eight. That's for sure. Yeah, I shouldn't really talk too well of them because the only one I shot was a uh, six point five Creedmoor, and it was only the action left with a full carbon fibre stock and a full carbon fibre barrel. It's interesting because I am looking at um, obviously I've got the two four three and the ticker varmint. I wouldn't mind. I'm, I'm contemplating doing what you're doing, but what we won't talk about that much because Aaron doesn't want to give too much away for the show. But it's I think it's a it's a build you've done before. Uh, or a build you have you've done the builds before, but you are starting going to be starting a new one. But I'm looking at um, 300 Wim Mag. I'm looking at uh, you should 6. be going 300 rum. I do something but with a bit but of balls. I mean, for, for most of my shooting, God, I'm never going to be able to get out past probably you know five five to 500 meters to a kilometer. So I am looking at the 6.5s. I have looked at the 300 Wim Mag, seven mil Remington Magnum as well, um, 260 Remington, 6.5 Creedmoor. So I haven't made my decision yet, guys, and I'm not sure if I'm going to actually do a build myself well i varm and hunt with my 300 rum get rabbits with it yeah i've seen what's left of those rabbits after you shoot them with a 300 rum but i'm still contemplating that about what i'm going to do whether i'm going to build it or i'm going to just buy another ticker in that particular brand you know stainless steel varmint for an example set it up and you know go from there 
Which to, to me, I'm at the stage now where I enjoy just building stuff. You get more enjoyment out of it, and you can do it at your own pace and put exactly what you want on it. And I enjoy researching stuff and trying new things. Um, I honestly don't think I'll buy. Okay, Rimfire is different, but Cinefire, I really don't think I'll ever buy another brand name off the shelf gun. I really, unless it's something really special. But I'm getting to the stage of my life now where I've got so many guns, I'm more into interesting, different things, odd things right now, rather than just um, an off-the-shelf bolt action. So when you're doing a build, I know a lot of people, and I didn't, I probably don't even know where to start per se. I mean, who makes good barrels? I think I don't think a lot of people do. I mean, obviously you can go to certain guns, but let's talk about probably first. I think actions, because obviously you know any good guns build off you know good quality, solid action. Who's got names in the industry that you've dealt with? Because you've obviously done these builds before. That's actually solid quality and worth the money at a reasonable price point. Well, you got um, well, of course you got Surgeon, but they're extremely expensive. You've got um, well, an action that I'm trying out is an ultimatum action, which is uh, very nice, very smooth, nice custom-built action from Canada. Then uh, you can actually buy uh, the Remington 700 actions alone. And the Magnum ones I've been looking at, and all stainless, go for about 900 bucks over here. So you can start off that. My big thing is always buy an action built on a 700 rem footprint. Because you can put them into anything, you can so many assess, you, you build the entire everything you want will work on a seven hundred uh, footprint. So you can get all the chassis you want, you can get all the aftermarket parts, and they're just an easy way of building. It. And that's why most custom action companies build on the seven hundred rim uh, footprint. Because you, you can just, everyone builds chassis for seven hundred. Everyone builds trigger. All the trigger companies will build custom triggers for seven hundreds. So how much are you looking at for, say, a decent action, you know, ultimatum, surge, and obviously is that a whole different price point altogether? Well, ultimatum over here, they've done a run-out sale of their older model, which go, they go for around the $700 mark. Uh, but when is I that look, a reasonable price point, though, for good quality? Is that, is that good, good quality That's a action? great quality, but that I think that was a run-out one because they got their new model out, uh, which is coming out in the Magnum rounds as well. And they, when I look on their website, they look like they're going for about $1,400 US. So that's US dollars, so pretty much double that. And that's what you'll pay here. But yeah, I'm pretty impressed. I am pretty damn impressed with them. And yeah, the main thing is just build off a 700 rim footprint. What about quality rifle barrels? Obviously, another integral part, the action, the right, the barrel, I should say. How important is that? Who makes good barrels these days? Obviously, I'm not up to speed on who makes quality barrels because I've never built one myself. Well, I use uh, Alan Swan here in Brisbane. He's regarded as one of the best barrel makers. He does a lot of overseas stuff as well as for a lot of the a lot of the gunsmiths will buy his barrel blanks because they're so well made and they're a really good price. Like, now a brand new match barrel don't hold me to it, but I think it's around seven to eight hundred dollars, and I think it's only about a hundred dollars more for a stainless steel. And uh, they are super quality, super high quality, and really good. Uh, accuracy you can get out of these barrels and they'll do them to any length any thickness no matter what you want they can do it they can spiral the spiral them do all sorts of patterns on them there was work is amazing but unfortunately this country like most uh with most gunsmiths who make barrels you just have to 
be stuck to the queue and when it happens, it happens sort of thing. You can wait six weeks. You can wait. I know people have waited several months for a barrel. If he does the barrel for you, will you do the whole thing through him? So he'll do the barrel, obviously place in, you know, screw it into the receiver, thread it for a muzzle break if so be it. He'll have the whole thing ready to go for when you pick it up? Yeah, I'll supply him the receiver and I'll get him to do, to do everything from that. You know, he'll make the barrel to the thickness I want to make it at, the length. Um, he'll put he'll put it on for he'll put it on for me, and um, yeah, make sure it's all, all working right. And basically, but I'll, I'll do my own trigger stuff because the only triggers I use is the uh, Timley Calvin Elite. Interesting, you've got one here too. Actually, Aaron was just showing this one, the Timney triggers, the world's finest trigger. That's what it says uh, for Remington Seven Hundred. So, I mean, how good are these compared to other triggers compared to your standard even Remington Seven Hundred tickers, oh. Seikos? All that sort of stuff. Well, I really like Rem 700, but they are renowned for really bad triggers. Uh, the Timley Calvin Elite are going from 8 ounce up to 2 pounds, I think they are, offhand. Uh, absolutely crisp. I have it in my 300 rum, and you only have to sneeze at the gun and it'll shoot. So there's no pulling your shots. There's, there's no uh, you're reefing the stock because you hardly have to touch it. And I'll enjoy the two... St- I, I only use two stage triggers as well. I like to feel the creep and just to be able to hold it there. And you know, just with a very slight movement, it's going to go off. And that, that, the other ones I use is those, those Tim Lee Calvin Elite triggers. Yeah, they look quite nice, actually. Uh, but and how, but well, how much am I looking at for something like this, this Tim Lee trigger? Around the $400 mark. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not a bad price point. I guess for good quality guys, I guess... You know, if you buy good quality, you buy once, cry once, so to speak. What about chassis? Let's talk about quickly about chassis before we finish off this part of it. Well, that's the only running that I have. So, there's so many out there you just don't know what to do. They they range from 500 bucks all the way up to three, four. I was looking at the Caddox the other day in the five and a half thousand. Because you got the uh, is that for the rum? You got the Bifrost, the GRS. I got because most people know for my one if they follow them, my YouTube channel as well. Uh, where I make the odd video. Um, I've got a, a GRS Berserk stock for the 243. You've got the new Bifrost, the which Bifrost, is the yeah. tan colored, which I said, yeah, don't buy the tan, buy the green. But I think it's the <laughs> only one actually they uh, brought into the country was the actual tan one. What do you think of that? And what else is there in that in well, a decent price range? Well, funny thing is I bought the Bifrost um, a few weeks before my eye crapped out. So it's a right hand molded to your right hand shooter. So I don't actually know if I'm going to be able to shoot that 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 oh you're gonna have to change stock. it yeah might, might end up changing it so but, they come in left hand oh but the rifles are not left-handed oh exactly uh, true true but it uh it just holding it right set up as a right-hander it feels really nice it could be a little bit on the light slide side but that's easily fixed with um shoving some butt uh like some bird shot um weights in the back that i've seen people do just to bring the weight up a little bit uh, but yeah, I think they're nice. You've got your MDTs, which are fantastic, and they, they don't really bust the bank. It'll be interesting to see the new Magpul ones coming out as well. People are complaining about the price of those. They're gonna, could be up Why, to a couple are, of grand. What are they going for? Okay, right. Um, for a, a, a plastic. Basically, it's essentially just a plastic uh, stock. Yeah, right. And then obviously, we've already spoken pretty much, haven't we, about scopes and. I mean, I guess that rounds it out, doesn't it, really? Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, good scope, good chassis, good action, and um, a good muzzle brake. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories, and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, 
camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. The Australian Hunting Podcast is the only hunting, shooting and fishing podcast radio show in Australia. With over 40,000 downloads per month, you are sure to find some information that can help you. If you love hunting, shooting, fishing and a little bit of politics, the Australian Hunting Podcast has you covered. To listen, check us out on iTunes and visit australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. What else makes it anything else there that you think would make a difference? I mean, what about, let's talk about a quick one before we finish off that, MOA rails. I mean, I run my 243. I think I've got about, I don't know, some crazy amount, 30 minutes of angle or something plus, which could probably push me out to 900 anyway, even with the fantastic caliber of 243. Do you bother with the 20 MOA rail or you don't bother? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I always feed off a 20 MOA rail. If I'm uh, later down the track, I'm looking at building a, an ultra, ultra, ultra long range gun, and that'll be a, a good 30 MOA or maybe even more rail. I'm just not too sure yet. Exactly, mate. Well, Oscar, we're going to be shooting tomorrow anyway, which is going to be good. So yes. we're going to go to the farm. Tell us about that. Not obviously where it is or anything, but um, what sort of terrain it is, how far we can shoot, well, all that good the, stuff. We can shoot out to about 1,300, um, but we've got a metre-by-metre metre gong set up at 1,000. Uh, it's not like shooting at a at a range where you're shooting long flat ground. To hit the 1,000-metre gong, you have to shoot over two valleys, and you've got to try and judge the wind directions in every way and the wind at, down at 1,000 metres. So it takes a bit of skill. It's not, it's not as easy as shooting at a long flat ground. And then we've got other parts of the farm where you can go from basically zero to 500 metres. And then you've got another, we've got a 500 metre dedicated, just for, we shoot over a valley. We've got gongs at just a th- 500 metres. And so you can pretty much shoot anywhere. And you pretty much bought guns from Brown's Plains Firearms that were yeah. that were banned in New South Wales just to annoy me. Tell people about that. Yeah, I went out and uh, went to Gary a couple of days ago. Just said, to annoy me, folks. Just to annoy me. Yeah, exactly. Because every time I, I talk to Jason every couple of days, we have a good laugh on the phone. And, we, and we're always uh, taking the piss out of each other. And especially about the fact that you can't have a little twenty-two made for children because the barrel's half an inch too short. So... That's what I got. A nice I mean, little pink one. And we can't own the, the 22 Cricket, the Rossi Circuit Charge, I think the Ruger Precision because of the stock. Can't have the um, Desert Techs down there, yeah. the military it's looking. It's just crazy, isn't it? It's just crazy. The Rossi Circuit Charge. I looked at one today, just personally not my cup of tea. I'm, surpri- no, I'm not surprised they've sort of stopped making the Rossi Circuit Charge. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think it'd be good for a bit of fun, but it's definitely not my cup of tea in the types of rifles that I would like. Sure, it may suit some people, but... Yeah, I don't know about the Rossi. I've shot the Alpha, and um, I wasn't too happy with getting all the crap in my face from the from the cylinder. This is the forty-five Long Colt, and the four ten. That's going to be interesting. I've never shot the four ten version out of it, and um, yeah, it seems you know that'll be that'll be the one I'm really interested to see how well the Long Colt will go at fifty meters, how accurate it'll be. Um, I'm not expecting anything that great out of that. And we've got a little Savage Cub in pink, just for you, which is... See, folks, this is what I get when he brings me up here. He just brings all these guns just to annoy me. I didn't know we filmed uh, one of the, your videos today, the monthly roundup, which we 
probably going up on his channel sometime in the near future, uh, the YouTube channel. And um, we're just talking about these guns and he brings them out. I hadn't seen them. He goes, just wait and see until we do the video. And he literally pulls them out on video and says, well, this is what I've got. And it's because <laughs> these abandoned New South Wales. I thought, oh, aren't you nice? Aren't you nice? Well, we do want to make your stay as uh, comfortable and enjoyable as we can. All right, mate. So what are we going to be doing tomorrow? Obviously, some reviews. But what are we going to do with these guns tomorrow? The you know, 22s, the, the SHS shotgun, the Red Devil. We've got the Rossi Circuit Judge. We've got heaps there. What are we going to do? Well, you, should, you really have to ask. You're shooting stuff Australia. We're going to blow shit up. What are we gonna What are we gonna shoot? What's uh, anything oh, planned, or we can't tell anyone until the videos obviously come out? Oh, we've got a few fruit and veg and a few butane canisters, and I just picked up about fifty or sixty uh, fire extinguishers. Really, you get them for free, don't you? Pick them off someone you know, don't you? Or? Yeah, we get all the fire extinguishers for nothing, which is fantastic because they got to be um, destroyed and um, and taken apart. So we get given them, and it's up to us to dispose of them, which is really easy to dispose of. Anyway, at the end of the um, of we're shooting them up, so it's really good. They're great shooting at long distance. What the the fire extinguishers? Yeah, right. Mate, also this is an interesting one too. A lot of people you've seen it on Facebook. A lot of people are talking about public land hunting in this country, but also Queensland because Queensland is lacking behind for the lots of people that want to go out there and obviously start hunting on public land. New South Wales has got it. Victoria's got it. Obviously, parts of South Australia has it. NT. Um, obviously, WA still lagging behind as well. Where do you see uh, Queensland with their public land hunting? Well, uh, we've got that petition out, which is absolutely fantastic. Let's just hope it goes through. Uh, as in, see where it's going, uh, I'll be very surprised personally. The the government here are just so anti-gun. I'd be very surprised. Uh, I just hope to God it's going to happen and come out. It'll be fantastic for people. It'll be fantastic for people who want to get into hunting because they have somewhere to go where a lot of people, as you know, don't have access to private property to hunt on. So something like this will just open up the horizons. It'll make a lot of money for the government, which I think will be the point that they should really push as well. The government can make money. The government's all about money. So if they can make money, they'll be they they should swing around a bit more to it. But then I've heard the rumours of the uh, of a shooting organisation. I've heard this from a couple of people now. They are really opposing it to the government not to have it because they don't only want you to shoot on ranges like theirs and shoot in their shooting pro controlled shooting programs. Which is a shame if that is true. Let's just hope that they're not saying stuff like that. But I've heard that from a few people now. Yeah, it'd be pretty sad if that was happening because it'd be good for, you know, it's been good for New South Wales. I mean, the Greens always say it's bad. And then when you think about, you know, last time I checked, it was something like 1.3 million animals taken out of the circulation of, you know, public land. Is it the, you know, the is it the only idea? Probably not. There's plenty of other ways to help as well, but it's just one thing that does help, you know. in, in Exactly. And it gets people off the couch as well and get them out in the wilderness using, using their land that they own for being Australian citizens. But, okay, how does the Greens feel? A lot of this money goes to pay their wages. If they're so opposed to it, why don't they just say I'll work for free because I can't take blood money? Oh, no, they wouldn't work for free. Don't you know that? They wouldn't work for free. Of course not. Exactly. They don't care where the money comes from, but they'll oppose everything. You Remember, you're paying good money. That goes into the government coffers, which pay the Greens wages. So if they're really that opposed to it, they shouldn't be accepting any, any payment. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Mate, YouTube, and this is an interesting one too, we've seen, oh, and I have just saw a couple of guys just recently, when I, because I listen to a lot of podcasts, I don't actually listen to this podcast, but one of the biggest guys in the podcasting space has literally gone, 
he made around anywhere from 38000 to $67,000 per month from Patreon. But you know what? His balls were bigger than most of us because he didn't like. And we've seen this, guys. Uh, I'm not going to get into the politics of it, but people are being deplatformed from Facebook, uh, from Twitter, from YouTube. We're seeing it with you know a couple of months ago, six months ago, with gun channels. We're copying it. That seems to have died off just a little bit. But in regards to monetization... No one's making money from gun channels from YouTube because as soon as they put up, they're demonetized. And this guy actually, uh, Sam Harris, I think his name is, a huge podcaster, and he actually stopped his Patreon, gave up on his Patreon, canceled his Patreon because he said people are being deplatformed, even though he doesn't agree with them. This is a slippery slope. But I guess the point I'm trying to get to is that there's no money in this, man. So this is where it comes down to either if you're on Patreon or one of the other forms, and I've actually considered giving up my Patreon too, but uh, I'm probably going to wait until they actually a new service comes along. And I think there's one in the process from a few guys now that are, are going to be using pretty much to be similar to Patreon, but no censorship, no nothing, uh, obviously within reason, but there'll be pretty much zero censorship unless it breaches a very, very minuscule set of rules set which would probably be something to do with violence or those types of things. Or breaking the law. Or breaking the law. You know, other than that, everything goes, which is fantastic. So people will be able to go on there, get their members to join up. So that's something I'm looking at for the future. I don't give like giving these left-hard turds a single cent of my money, even though Patreon are making the you know money off the back of my podcast. Um, but I mean, it's crazy when a guy that's got $67,000 per month, God, we're talking almost over half a million dollars per year of sponsorship Quitting his Patreon, bang, gone. Money stream, gone. It's a pretty Crazy. noble thing to do. That's it's gnarly. Sure. I mean, I don't know if I could do that. I mean, but he nah, looks like he's got exactly. a backbone. This guy, and he's not going to be, you know, dictated to by the you know Patreon trust, safety, and community team, or whatever they're called. So, no, exactly. ballsy move. But getting back to my point of that is, you know, this is what the support about is supporting, you know, YouTube channels, supporting podcasts. Because people think when they watch them, oh, you're getting paid from YouTube. I mean, I get this all the time. People say, it must be great, you know, podcasting. Well, you must be making, oh, you get it too. You must be making a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're, you're on, basically, I think you're a TV star. But yeah, we, well, I get 100 bucks a month. And then they take their cut out of that. And that pays for, well, that pays for the targets, not even for two reviews. And I'm, I'm spitting out several reviews. And plus all those off the shelves, we're putting out. Oh, good, uh, what, 15, uh, 15 to 20 reviews a, a month now. Yeah, I mean, it'd be good if it, you know, it was paying that sort of money, you know, we could, didn't have full-time jobs, but I get that from people in the industry saying, oh, it must be great to podcast full-time. And I said, man, I've got a job like everybody else does. Uh, you know, you, you don't get big money from, you know, this sort of industry. Yeah, I've got great sponsors, which is fantastic, and I support them all. And they have great products, either of either believe in them or use them myself personally or, ha- or had them at one stage throughout my shooting career. Well, as you know, we got fully demonetized about six months, six, eight months ago from YouTube. And so we get absolutely nothing. We, they argued with us and backwards and forwards about they set all these ridiculous goalposts on subscribers and views and we met everything they said. And in the end, they just came back and said, no, you're not getting any money. That's the end of it. You're cut off. But the funny thing is they actually kept on putting ads on all our videos so we had to manually go through and take all the the ad permissions off so they can't play anything and make money off our back while we got nothing. Bloody YouTube, eh? Bloody YouTube. Oh, hell yeah. And then we, if it wasn't for Browns playing firearms and for second, second chance building supplies and the good people who do donate to our Patreon, the show would be totally different. I wouldn't be able to go out 
and film so many actual full-on gun reviews because I wouldn't be able to afford it. I, it cost me. It still cost me a lot of money to do this out of my own pocket, and I'm not whinging about it because I enjoy it. If I didn't enjoy it and I, and I didn't want to do it, I just wouldn't do it. It wouldn't bother me. But I really enjoy doing this, and it's just. Yeah, it's just hard for people to get into it. People just think, oh, you'll make lots of money. I'm going to start. The amount of people have emailed me over a while, over the last few years, saying, we want to start a YouTube channel. Uh, can you can you get us in contact with um, your um, contacts in the shooting to see if they will sponsor us? And it's like, well, no. We did all the hard yards. So you, you do all that. Don't just try and come in and try and get us to organize you to all and to help you organize your YouTube channel through people we already know. We, we get a lot of that as well. And a lot of these guys put out one or two videos and just give up because they realize how hard it is. You've got to go out there and film for a day. You've got to come back. You've got to sort all the files out. You've then got to edit them all and get it finally get it all up. Oh, and then you've got to pay for all your ammunition and all your, and all your targets. So we were, we're spending, uh, we worked out about 400 bucks per, per video with targets, ammunition, all the time you spend to cost just to do a video. I don't think people really realise how hard it is. Do they really? Same in podcasting. A lot of people have come. Uh, a lot of people have gone over the years. Some new ones have popped up, and some are still going quite strong. Some, you know, last a couple of years before they stop. You know, some only last six months before they stop putting out content. Just don't think they really think about how hard it is, especially if they've got families and children and those types of things. To be able to do this on a regular basis, there's not many from when I started back in 2000, say 10, 2011 when I started, that are actually still going, that are actually still going. There's some that started after that, 2016, 27, and obviously still going two years in, but wait until you get five, seven, ten years in. And, you know, sometimes I think when is the time you actually sort of, you know, call it a day on, you know, close the curtain on, you know, a good chapter of your life that you put in, you know, say seven, eight, nine, ten years into. I I think time to shut up shop is when you just don't enjoy doing it anymore. When if you well, there's two sort of things. If you just don't really enjoy it or you physically can't do it, it's probably the time to do it. Yeah, I think so. Well, I can distinctly remember two people after a couple of years of us doing this, getting in contact saying, We want to start a shooting channel reviews and do gun stuff like what you do like what you do. They wanted us to help them set all their channel up, which we couldn't do because we've got our own stuff to do but you see them they do one or two videos and that's the end of it they realize there's a lot of hidden costs now you've got to pay for your ammo and your guns but then you've got to pay for your subscription for all your uh, video editing tools and your programs and the actual computer you need a decent computer like my computer just blew up that was a thousand dollars for me to get it all up and running yes i didn't expect that at christmas time and you've got to pay for, the, the the editing software is not cheap either, and that's you pay that every single year, so it all all really adds up. Adding your computer gear, you know, microphones, wireless microphones, those types of things, certainly can start adding up. I mean, doesn't oh, it? Oh, the camera gear. You no, know, we got um four grand's worth of cameras. We got three cameras. We got um yeah, all the wireless mics. And that's all about four grand. We're we're in the hole for now for all that. If it wasn't for uh. People, you know, that we've mentioned helping us out. I really don't think uh, we could do what we're doing. It would be a totally different looking show. So we saw also too on uh, Facebook too, there's a lot of guys, I know a lot of the pages uh, out there, there's people asking for advice. We spoke about this before. I think I've actually interviewed females on the show about, you know, guys that didn't hunt, example, uh, issues that people have had with, you know, former partners where they've had firearms taken off them. 
It's getting quite serious at the moment, isn't it? With, um, it's very difficult for firearms owners, and I think some people listening to this show will probably be able to relate to what I'm talking about, where you know, males or females from both sides, generally a lot of the males in the shooting community, so I'm not going to say it's all women because there's certainly some fantastic shooting women in this community, but you know, men are copping the raw end of the deal if you're a shooter. You've got to be very, very careful about what you say and do, guys, if you're going through a breakup. I have get a lot of... Actually, had one, actually, I had one last week on Facebook. Uh, from a friend of a friend saying that he's broken up with his missus, it's not looking good, she's starting to make all types of allegations. Um, he you know, assured me this didn't happen. So my advice was, listen, first off, get a lawyer. Secondly, do not say anything on text message. Do not say anything where someone can be a witness to it. Do not write rude emails. Do not uh, threaten to do anything on text message. If you have to, speak to somebody else and get them to advocate on your behalf to your former partner. Because obviously it's becoming quite an issue. There's vexatious complaints being made. And firearms owners having to defend themselves and spending money to get their own firearms back. Sometimes they're being, you know, damaged while they're in police custody, so to speak, while they're being stored by the police. So I guess, you know, one, what's your advice on this? Because I think what people should do is if the police do take your firearms, first off, if you've got a dealer, contact your dealer. Try and see if they can get to go and pick them up and hold them for you while the issue is being resolved. I think that's the most important thing. But, you know, certainly a lot of guys are copying a raw end of the deal. So, you know, some obviously legitimate. And if you're dumb enough to do any threatening women or threaten people, you're dumb enough to have your firearms taken off you. I know people get angry. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. People get angry. You know, they're having their kids taken away from them. Guys, I totally understand that. But don't do anything stupid that's going to get your life taken off you, especially with firearms. People are not going to look favorable upon you. Yes, that's 100%. It's sort of a sad case where... The non-shooting community holds it over us in anything. They they know that we won't do anything. Then they can push and push and push us. Especially, uh, yeah, in relationships, they can just manipulate you, male and female. Because I know females have their guns taken off and through uh, dirty ex that just done out of spite. And I was, on to, I was doing a job for a police officer not long ago, and we were talking about this. And they said, yeah, we understand most of the DVOs we go to are all false claims by females. We can see they're false, but we have to l- l- give it out and, and give the um, give the order out yeah, for it. Yeah, the AVA, yeah. Yeah, and they know, they blatantly know this, and they know it's wrong. A f- good friend of mine last week, going through a divorce, she's um, an evil piece of work, and she ran off with another bloke, and uh, she all wants money, money, money out of this poor guy, and he can't give any more money. And he said, no, enough's enough. I can't give you any more money. She was going out and spending it all on tattoos and not on the children, then not letting him see the children. He said, no, enough's enough. I'm not giving you any more money. Two days later, five in the morning, police knocked on the door. We had to take all your guns. There was six of them there, take his guns. And this guy has really collect- nice collectibles too. They said, Guns are all gone, took them, go to court, good luck, mate. And they walked out with all his guns. Very sad, isn't it? Very sad. So, guys, just be very careful, you know, and women too. Obviously, if you're going through the same issue, just be careful. Just uh, don't do anything silly. Don't say anything silly. Like, worst thing you can do is threaten or say anything silly on a text message or an email. Well, they went through his Facebook page and she and she screenshot all his Facebook stuff and manipulated it and turned it around to make him look really bad. And so you got to watch especially on Facebook, yeah, delete your media. profile to get rid of it. Facebook is one of the worst things you could ever be on when you're going through breakups or anything. They go through all that sort of stuff and they just look for evidence or something that they can manipulate to make you look really bad even though you're not or the post isn't that bad. But they'll use, every, they'll use memes against you, everything, to make you look bad. 
Anyway, guys, that's probably going to end the show probably just there. What do you reckon, man? Anything to finish off or anything to say or what would you like to finish off with? No, too? I'd just like to thank you for the uh, the opportunity for doing this podcast. It's always fun we do podcasts. We've done a few now. Yeah. This is the sort of thing I could do every week, just talk, talk and talk and talk. I can't believe people actually want to listen to me talk. That's the whole crazy thing about how many listeners I've got on the show and, you know, trying to do different things and, you know, trying to do hunting but politics, which I hate sometimes. I've got a love-hate relationship and... You know, some people say, why don't you do more hunting? But I say, sometimes there's only so much hunting you can do. How many deer hunting podcasts can I do? Um, you know, I'm trying to get some more gunsmiths guys under the show. Like, I haven't had a gunsmith yet, so I'm going to try and do that. Obviously, more cooking and those sort of things. Fishing. You know, I'm trying to cater for everyone. That's the hardest part. You can you can never sometimes cater for everybody. And, uh, you know, sometimes people love certain parts of the show. You know, and, and it's weird that the politics stuff sort of rates more than other stuff, you know. But then again, sometimes people love the hunting stuff and they don't listen to the other stuff. They listen to the hunting stuff and there's something for everybody. Yes, definitely. It's um, You can never really run out of ideas. And I find when I am running out of ideas, I might wake up in the middle of the night and think, hey, let's make a video on that. That could be quite cool. Get up and write it down and then form a video around that, especially some of the funny ones we used to make. They come at odd times. You'd just be like sitting at the movies or something and think, hmm, that could be quite good to try. Well, let's, make a, let's turn that into a video. I do like podcasting. And like I said, it's not cheap. I mean, it's just, it's just worth sitting here probably talking into about – I don't know, probably $1,500, $2,000 worth of gear. And, you know, it's all because of the good work and people on Patreon that support the show financially, that see value, you know, in what we do. And I, sometimes, honestly, it, it still blows my mind that people, you know, that love the show will pay $5, $10 a month. Sure, it's not a lot, but that's what they can afford. And, you know, they're willing to put their money where their mouth is and say, hey, listen, I support this and this is fantastic and I'm willing to support it financially. And, you know, can't, I guess probably both of us can't thank people enough for doing that for both of our mediums. Exactly. I find it really good and really generous from the people. But uh, it's important that what you make, and I can see, and I know, and while I know exactly what you do with the money and where it goes, I can see and I know all the stuff you buy, it goes right back into the show. I think if people are good enough to donate to you, it's not your private fund. It's not out there to go out night on the town. It's not there to pay your mortgage off or to buy guns for yourself. It's there to put back into the show, to, to make the show better. You've got to show people want to see value for their money. They want to see things with the show progressing along a bit, like to the next level. So there's nothing worse than donating to a, a Patreon um, and you don't see any change in the show. It's the same flat show. You know, there's no upgrading anything. It doesn't look a bit better. It's just the same thing. And they just and it, uh, so many Patreon people do that. They just get the money and think this is free money. I'm going to pay my farm off. I'm going to buy me a new gun. Oh, this will be my holiday. And that, I know for a fact that's what people do. Uh, but us, yeah. everything we go. Well, it's only 100 bucks we get I'm, a month. I'm pretty much addicted to it. buying gear. I mean, even though sometimes I don't need it, and I use these, I don't want to say cheaper microphones, but the one we're using now, these are my travel microphones, and a lot of people can't tell the difference between you know, when I actually travel and when I'm actually doing it at home. Sure, the quality's better for the guest in person, absolutely, because we're both using the same quality microphones and we're both in the same room. Uh, obviously, that's not feasible. We, I can't travel to, I've got to work full-time. I can't travel to, you know, every single person that I interview. So a lot of them I do do over the phone and record them to my recorder. But, you know, I'm always addicted to buying microphones. There's even a new Rode one coming out uh, in the next uh, probably three to four weeks over Christmas uh, into the new year. So that'll be good for a home stereo. But these do a fantastic job. And, 
you know, people that have paid for these microphones. I just bought one that I used at the Shot Expo. It has a longer handle for, you know, three hundred dollars. It was a Sennheiser, and that's my, you know, interviewing and microphone that I rove around with at Shot Expos and and those types of things, and good quality as well. And the pe- excellent people of Patreon have paid for that, and they, they should, you know, feel good about that that have done that. You know, you're like me. Everything goes back into the show. You're not. You're not trying to get people to fund a lifestyle, which I think's wrong. And you know, I see that, and you hear things from other about other YouTubers and that what they do with their money. And it's like, no, no, it should be going back into the show, and so you can get do a bigger and better presentation. But what, what I do like to finish off too is the fact that you know, I mean, how do we you know get to know each other? You know, I've been on other podcasts from not only New Zealand, but I was on an American podcast. I was on. Oh, I think it was the hunting and shooting show in New Zealand, um, the Rich Outdoors show, I think. It was no, Lone Star Outdoors shows, I should say. I was on that probably a couple of years ago as well. And people getting together, YouTubers, you've had me on your show, you've had other people on the show as well. Uh, you know, it's fantastic. I mean, everyone's working together, I think. Could it be better? Probably. But, you know, ultimately, you know, getting Australian, getting us all together and working together, I think it would be, you know, good. Yeah, I've, uh, I've met some great people, um, some great people doing this show. And John Patton from the Gun Collective in America has featured us a couple of times, which has been fantastic. He didn't have to do that, but he's mentioned us a few times. They've got a big channel, haven't they, the Gun yeah, Collective? Yeah, one of the biggest um, in the US, and he's uh, a big influence over there. See, a lot of our um, our subscribers are from the US. They can't believe the amount of messages I get. you got guns in Australia. I thought they were all banned. And the Americans can't believe what we have. They really can't. They can't believe... You know, some of the stuff we do have, they can't believe it. And they're fascinated by our improvisation, not having semi-autos like the straight pulls, like the OAF before it was banned. <laughs> but um, just things like that, the Warwick firearms, they're, they're amazed by these guns and that we've improvised to get something, no, not similar, but to sort of fill a small void, sort of take some of the pain away from what John Howard did. Yeah, from the A and B to the C and D categories. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And they're, they're dumbfounded. Most of them think, we just thought you can't have guns. They literally just think that. I thought, you cannot have guns in Australia. I thought they were all gone. And they're, they're quite amazed. And they're quite amazed that we still even have pistols, which is... Um, well, I'm probably surprised they didn't ban pistols back in the day too, because they could have. They I, tried. I, I think we were lucky to hold on to that. Well, they can't believe that... We only have to be 18 to, have a, to be able to buy a pistol here. We're in America. You've got to be 21. All right, man. Anything to finish off? Anything else? Or where to from here? Up and up and up? And Yeah. And, um, and yeah, just really just push out the reviews and and just power ahead. With, uh, we got, well, you're coming out on Friday night filming another season of Off the Shelf. So we'll get about another 20 to 30 uh, episodes of that done on Friday night and that's always I know, fun. I don't know if I'm going to be any good guys, I'm not really. Sometimes I do the odd YouTube video but that's just to you know, showcase my shooting and you know, I originally started, a lot of people don't know, I started off in, uh, one of the jobs I had was uh, filming weddings and uh, editing weddings and I've always been okay and you know, I can always get myself around a you know Adobe Premiere Pro CS5, so which would, is the editing software. Pick you as a um, as a wedding crasher, <laughs> but don't expect me to do your editing. By the way, you can do that yourself. No, I'll plod through that. I'll, I'll, I'll just stay up all night just for the fans, just to edit everything after working twelve hours. Not not a problem. Anyway, man, Aaron from Shooting Stuff Australia, thanks for uh, joining me on the show. Another great podcast. As I said, guys, I've got some podcasts coming out. I am going to be on holidays a fair bit between about the 20th of, 
what is this, December 2018. So what's the, what's the date today, Aaron? I think it's the just about two days before Christmas. Yeah, it's Sunday, tw- the 22nd, 22nd today. 22nd of December, the date of recording this show. So I'll try and put this one out by, ooh, probably in between, just after New Year, probably about the 10th of January. Then I've got a, I'm going on holidays. I'm back to work for a week. Then I'm going on holidays again. Uh, obviously, we're using my annual leave to go down south to go fishing. Uh, for two weeks, and I do have to record a podcast, very special podcast uh, down there while I'm there. Now, now, I might not be able to edit and put that out before I come back because I do use a desktop to edit. I don't have a laptop like Aaron's got here. So I'm looking forward to bringing you that show. Some very, very good information coming out, as I said, for the New South Wales people in the upcoming election. I think people are going to get excited about it. I think it's good news for people of New South Wales. I think they'll be kind of shocked and surprised per se. Um, but I've been told the information and uh, my show will be the first to actually put it out. So I think that's absolutely fantastic for people in New South Wales. Thanks for your time, man. I do appreciate it. And thanks for inviting me here. And uh, it's good to work together. You're welcome. It's always enjoyable coming on the show and having you out for a shoot and basically just hang out and shooting the breeze. Thank you so much for uh, having us on. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.